There's the app. Uh, for those of you online, there's a, a link that you can click and it'll take you to the notes. And today we're talking about this, this idea that, oh, like, what does love do? Like, what, what, what is love all about? Because in our world, that word is thrown all around, right? That word love. We use it in so many various ways and in different contexts. But I want to start with this. Just a quick question. It, don't turn to anybody because um, here's the question. And you can even online. What frustrates you? I didn't say who. I said what frustrates you? There may be a who in there somewhere, but what frustrates you? Like, what do you get frustrated by? Because in, in the world that we live in, and even who we are, we get frustrated mostly when we have to tell someone the same thing over and over again because they're not listening. It's frustrating, right? How often we have to say, like, um, clean your... Someone said teeth the other service. Like, clean the teeth. That works too, though. If you got to clean your teeth, clean your teeth. But clean your room. Like, how often do we have to say that? 15 years. That's how long it takes. 15 years. And even still, that doesn't work. It takes a long time for some reason. And we're thankful for the ones that do. But there's always some give and take. Like, they keep their room very, very clean, but they dirty. Like, you got to tell them over and over, you got to go bathe. Oh, I bathed yesterday. You got to bathe today. You sweaty. Your head stink. Like, your head sweaty. You get sweaty head. You've got to tell them over and over, take a bath, take a bath, take a bath, over and over. And there is someone in the family or sometimes grandchildren or nieces or nephews, like they just don't want to. And they lag. Like, you go take a bath. Okay. 20 minutes later, you didn't bathe yet. No. What were you doing? I was checking my homework. Like there's always something that's lagging them to just go and bathe. Like that should be a spiritual gift, the gift of bathing. It's a part of our life. Or if you live in a home and there are many cars and you have to park cars in a certain way, like I'm leaving at 6 in the morning so nobody park behind me. Make sure you park over here because I ain't, I ain't moving the car. I'm going to wake you up and you're going to move your own car. Next thing you know, get up in the morning, nobody listen. And you have to wake people up and they give you attitude. They give you the attitude. Like, oh, leave me alone. No, I told you move your car. And now I got to move the car for you. I ain't moving your car. Oh, leave me alone. Now you're upset, they're upset because they didn't listen. Like how come... Why, how can the people that never listen, how can they get upset? Right, why, why, why are they upset because they didn't listen? Like now we mad and they mad and now we're the loser. They're upset at us because they never listened to us. I don't even know how that works. That's not even a part of what frustration is all about. But we all get frustrated. We get frustrated when people don't listen. We get frustrated when, when someone eats at the table and does not take their dishes to the sink. I mean, come on. This is a no-brainer. Who else can take them? Who else can take Like, some of us, are like, leave them. Some of you put it in their room. You put them on their bed, right under their pillow. Nighttime, they're like, what is that smell? What is that chicken doing in my Mom, how can I get chicken in my room? Well, you never take them to the sink. Must be yours. I put them in your room. Maybe you like it. Maybe you like chicken under your bedspread. I don't know. You don't take it to the sink. Toys. You step on their toys like Legos. That thing is deadly. You don't need alert alarm system. You don't need ring. You need Legos. Put Legos in your in your in your, your porch. Put them on the steps. You can hear the burglar. Guaranteed you can step on them. So when you have to pick up toys, that's not even your toys. And what do you have to say over and over? Pick up your toys. Clean your toys. Some of us, we have this, we I don't know, we're just bold. We're like, you know, I'm gonna throw all this away. And then you're thinking, wait a minute, I just bought that. 
So you cannot give threats that you're not going to be willing to follow through with. And it's frustrating. And that's just children. Husbands. I'm not even going to go into that one because I am one. The things Heidi have to tell me over and over and over. Pick up your shirt, pick up your shirt, pick up your shirt, pick up your shirt, pick up your shirt. And what do we say? Why not bothering you? Just walk around. This is, walk, not going to attack you. It's cloth. Just walk over it. But it's frustrating because we're saying the same thing over and over and over, and no one's listening. And we get frustrated. So how do we love people when we're frustrated? How do we do that? How do we, because Jesus himself, he got frustrated, yet he loved people. Remember the money changers at the temple? He, he flipped the tables over. Now some of us use that as why Jesus got mad. Well, he was a righteous man. We, we, we tend to use that as as uncontrolled anger but that wasn't jesus that was very controlled and he was making a statement he was saying no my my father's home is not going to be filled with a den of thieves it's a house of prayer so he was justified in what he was doing jesus was frustrated when his disciples didn't listen over and over he said it's about my kingdom it's about my kingdom it's about my kingdom may his may the may may the may our father's kingdom come because i only do what the father says and along the way the disciples are like so, uh, Jesus, can we be, like, seated at the highest place? Like, where are you going to be? Because aren't we building a kingdom? He's like, not on earth. It's a heavenly kingdom. They go to their parents. Hey, Mom, ask Jesus if you can sit on the left of him and the right of him. So here comes Mom. Jesus, ah, your ministry is so amazing. Can my son, like, sit on the left or right of you when you're in your kingdom? And it frustrated Jesus because they weren't getting it. But he did something with his frustration because Jesus was always motivated not by anger, not by frustration, not by being irritated. He was always motivated by love. Imagine that, that everything you do, every decision you make is motivated out of love. How things would be different, how we would rethink saying things and doing things because we're motivated not out of anger, not out of irritation, as some people say, eras. I don't even know how you spell that. They're irritated. So we make decisions based on being irritated, frustrated. But Jesus was always motivated by love. See, love can be a great motivator when encountering difficult circumstances, difficult situations, even difficult people. That's how Jesus moved into action. It was always done out of love, more than what people were doing. Sometimes we want to change people. We, and so we're not motivated out of love. We're motivated out of self. That if I can change you, it'll make my life better. I've said this before. As a parent, when my children were little, I used to say this. I said, listen, listen, guys. And this was past, past frustration. This was even past anger. This was like ballistically angry. And so, you know when you're so angry, you're calm. And that's spooky mom, right? When mom is like so angrily calm, it's like a haunted voice. It's like, Okay, if you all just calm down, no one gets hurt. All the kids are like, what? So I said this to my children. I said, okay, if you just listen and do what I say forever, nothing is wrong. Everything will go fine. You live a happy life. Just listen. That's all I'm asking you to do. Just listen. Do they listen after that? No, right after that, they're not listening. So it's even more frustrating because you even spoke in a spooky tone and calm, but still not listening. 
Jesus even died for us. Not because he was frustrated and angry, but because he loved us, even though he was frustrated and angry. That wasn't his motivation. Jesus wasn't angry at us. God wasn't angry at us. He was angry at the fact that there's sin because that separated us from him. And in order for, under, for us to understand what love will do, we have to understand what love is. So let's turn to, as we always know, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to read it together, and it's going to pop up here on the screen, and even for those of you online. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to read it nice and steady like a third grader. Ready? Go. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. It's amazing that love will never fail. This is what motivated Jesus. His kindness and everything that love is, he was motivated by. Yet Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6 tells us, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened to have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance, to their loss. They are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. See, when we get frustrated with others and we have to keep repeating ourselves or, or they don't listen and we have to maybe clean up because they're not or we have to say it over and over again, clean up or we have to say something over and over again because they're not getting it. It frustrates us. Or when, or when at work, there's just failure after failure or you come into work and the, the night crew didn't do what they're supposed to now the, the majority of the work is on you or vice versa the day crew didn't get things prepared and now you're frustrated or someone didn't do the books correctly and you're trying to figure this out and now it's frustrating our love for people starts to diminish yet before Jesus dies on the cross there's a place called the Garden of Gethsemane and when you're at the Garden of Gethsemane if you've been to Israel you can oversee Jerusalem you can oversee the area where Jesus is going to walk towards where he's going to pay the price for the sins of the world. While Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that he's going to die, knowing that he's going to be nailed to the cross for the sins of the world, he pleads with God and he says, may this cup of suffering be taken from me. But then he says the most beautiful words in that moment of weakness because he's motivated out of love. He says, yet not my will, your will. He loved the Father so much that no matter what he felt, he wasn't going to go against what the Father was saying because Jesus only did what the Father told him to do because that's what love does. That's what love is. He was listening to his Father. Whatever God said to do, he trusted, even though he felt like bailing. Three times he had to pray that prayer. Can this cup be taken away from me? Yet not my will, but your will. And although he struggled in the garden, he was successful on the cross because of love. 
he is motivated out of love. Jesus wasn't motivated to just get rid of sin or pay the price for sin so that we could have eternal life. It was because he loved us. That's what love is. That's what love will do. Jesus would go through the Garden of Gethsemane over and over and over again if he had to. That's why for us, when we keep doing the things that the book of Hebrew was, Hebrews was saying, it's like we're crucifying the Son of God over and over again. Jesus would say, I would go again. I'd go again. I'd do you do that too. For someone you love, the sacrifices you make, you'd say, I'd do that again. I'd do that again. For your children, I'd do that again. Maybe one, you'd be like, I'd hesitate on that one, but I'd still do it again. I'd still, I'd still. Why? Because of love. Love is a great motivator. And Jesus would go to the cross over and over again if he had to because that's what love will do. And while everybody else is running away frustrated because people don't listen or, or, or things aren't going well or we, we, we turn away from God because he's not answering our prayers the way we want him to or what we see doesn't match the promise that God said will take place, we run from God, we bail, we leave. In fact, that's what happened when Jesus was arrested in the garden of Gethsemane. When he was arrested, all of the disciples fled. They ran. It's almost like in our humanity, we run when we're frustrated. We don't, we don't let God in. We run. We rebel. We continue to sin. Yet Jesus says, I'll, I'll take care of that. When everyone else is running, Jesus is, is saying, I'm still here. Jesus would be the only one preparing for the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane while everyone else is running away frustrated. For the disciples, it's not turning out how they thought it would. They were so distraught and dismayed when Jesus died on the cross. While he was buried in the tomb for three days, they went back to their old life. They went back. Many of them, the fishermen, went back to their old life. Why? Because everything was over. According to their thinking. And I wonder if we take for granted the people that are closest to us because we believe they should understand what is happening. And when the disciples fled, they had nothing to back them up. They had, they had, they had nothing else to give. They were done. But then three days later, when Jesus rose from the grave, he's what sustained them, not their feelings. See, I've done this before. Heidi, my spouse, my, my, my wife, she asked me to do something. We've been married for 30 years, been together, together for 37 years. So when she asked me something, there's, there's more to it than just an answer, which this is the part I got to work on, is when she says, hey, can you, can you change that light bulb? What do we normally say? We're like, well, yeah, I, I can. Let me, let me finish this first, and I'll, I'll get to that. Or, hey, how about Thursday? Can you do this for me on Thursday? Well, let me check my schedule. Let me see what it's like on Thursday because I don't want to say yes and then I cannot and I'm going to let you down. So let me check my schedule. So let me check my schedule. Oh, yeah, so I have this in the morning, this in the afternoon. I can do it later on at night. And by that, by that time, because the wives know, it's, it's like, no need already. No need. Like, honey, can you, can, you, can you move that from that area to that? Well, I'll see. No need. No need. What? No, I was good. No, you made the face. However, however, now this is not to cause friction in the family. This is just the honest truth of what happens in my life and maybe possibly yours too. 
Our friend can call in the middle of the night, in the middle of us doing something, and when the friend calls and said, Brian, I need your help. Absolutely. Uh, what you need? What you need? Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, we stay. Where are you? I'm there. You hang up the phone. You're like, honey, I'll be right back. Well, where are you going? I got to help my friend. His car broke down. What? Where? He's, he's like only like 15 miles from here. I'm just going to go real quick. We're having dinner. I got to go. Why do we do that? Because that's the friend that does things for you too. Like they would drop things for you. So we, maybe more me, because I know you don't go through that, have to work on, take that love I have for my friend and put it in my family. Like my children saying, Daddy, can you play with me? Oh, yeah, yeah, let me finish this first. Hey, Mommy, can you, can you do, help me with this? Yeah, yeah let, me, let me finish first. And I know there's some truth to that, that there are things that we're actually doing. But why is it the people that are closest to us get the worst treatment sometimes? And the people who are distant from us, we treat them in a different way. And maybe possibly, let's balance this out, it could possibly be that because the people that are close to us, the ones we love dearly, the ones we would sacrifice for, that maybe we expect them to understand us more than a friend would. Because that friend, if you say, I cannot, you almost feel like they're going to hold it against you. You almost feel like, okay, that's, that's, that's one up. So next time I ask them for help, they're going to be like, nah, I'm good. Remember the time I didn't ask you? Nah. Or they just write you off. And it's just that quick, which tells me what kind of friend were they in the first place. Like our friends might leave us because of those situations. Our kids cannot. Like no matter how we treat them, they're still our son, still our daughter. Still our mom, still our dad. So it's like we have an expectation of this love thing that they understand. Yet it still doesn't justify how I treat the people that are closest to me. Sometimes we take people's love for granted so much that we forget what love does. And it becomes more of performance and favors because we all have this ability to show love and we store up love for certain situations. And I'll explain it in this way. Let's just say this is our, this is like our, our, our life, our love tank. This is our love tank. But, it, but love will leak. It has a hole, so it constantly is, is leaking out. And it spills. It spills out. So love will, love will leak out of our lives. Then the question is, well, how do we refill it? How do I fill my life back up with love? So maybe it's, I, I got to be better with certain things. I have to be kind. Because the Bible says, love is patient, love is kind. I need to be kind. So we try to work on kindness. We work on patience. We're standing in the line. We look for the shortest line. We get in that line, we're like, yeah! And then get a problem. It's like something isn't working. It's like, oh, everything okay? Yeah, Wi-Fi is down. Oh, okay. But only going to take a couple minutes. No worries. Like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, working on patience. Working on patience. Working on patience. Working on patience. Okay, okay, okay. How's it, Auntie? Yeah, good. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. No, I'm not going nowhere. I got an appointment at 2 o'clock in two minutes. But we okay. We okay. Nah, no worries. No worries. Nah, we good. 
Oh, you're busting out on checkbook. Oh, okay, you're writing on check. Oh, you never write them yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm working on patience. That's why I'm working on patience. I'm patient. Yeah, God, I'm good. I'm good working on patience. Still talking. Oh, you're not supposed to talk story online. You can talk story after. Okay, no, but I'm working on patience. No, God, give me patience. God, give me patience. Oh, you never write the check yet. Oh, how long take for write and spell out KTA? <laughs> oh, okay. No, we good. Oh, patience. I'm working on patience. I'm working on patience. And you get there. Everything's good. You leave there. You feel victorious. Like, woohoo! I passed that. I never snap at anybody. I'm patient. God, you gave me patience. I mean, in your, but in your mind, you're like, same things. You're like, bro, how dumb you can be. Oh, my goodness. You're taking so long. Really, you're going to talk that long, and you're not even Portuguese. Thank you, Jesus. You're not Portuguese. And we're thinking these things, and it's in there. But, but we, were, we were showing love. We were patient. And that's what we think love is. It's, it's something that, that comes into us to fill us so that we can give that out. And we say that. I got to come church. Why? Hi. Yesterday, I blew it. Yesterday, I blew it. I got to come church today. I got to repent. I got to come church. And now everybody's thinking, oh, what, what, like, what, was, what is that all about? I don't know. It's just, you know, things are going downhill. Things are going downhill. I got to read my Bible. I got to read my Bible. I'm just going to go to the book of Palms. I'm going to read. I'm going to read. So we think, we think doing things is going to translate to love, which love is an action. But we think filling our lives with certain things will now make this love yet all we're doing is performing we're doing the act of without the meaning of what love is and I know we say love is not a feeling love is an action yes at the same time love is a person the Bible tells us God is love not has love there's a difference that God is love. Which, let's look at 1 Corinthians again. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if we can bring that up again. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not proud. It is not self-seeking. So here's the word we want to focus on. Is. That's what love is. Not, it, it, the Bible doesn't tell us that love has patience. The key word is Is. This is what love is. Not love has kindness. Love has patience. Love is. So if love is, then in its authentic state, true kindness is sustained in God because God is, God is love. True, is, is true patience Sustained in our ability to wait in line without complaining. That's not what true patience is. It's not sustained by our abilities. It's not sustained in who we are. It's sustained in who God is, not how well we're doing. So here's our takeaway today. Love can only do what love is. Love can only do what love is we can try to throw our own definition on love but if that's not the true definition of love love can only do what love is that's why when some people say whoa that person doesn't even know god yet they're kind they're compassionate how can they be that 
because you can you can do that you can act as if there's the motivation of love by acting out in kindness and things like that that's why some people they say oh they don't need god why because they're already doing the things that they're supposed to do that love is reason for that is because God created us in his image so we can do the things of God we can act those things out because that's who God is and he created us in his image but when we say to God I want you to be in my life now we're not waiting for things to come in we're saying yes to Jesus When we say yes to Jesus and we're saying, Jesus, you be in my life. Therefore, I don't need a love tank. Jesus is loving people through us. It's him. It's not us. That's why when you're frustrated, you got to go back to Jesus. Like, Jesus, what are you saying? Jesus, what are, you do- what are you doing? How can I love like how you're loving? How can you love through me? Love through me, Jesus flesh and spirit is always going to battle that's why that word disciple or discipleship when you're being discipled love is the result that's where it should be it's not more knowledge it's love is what the outcome should be that's the result it should be that we're more like Jesus that we're loving like Jesus because Jesus is love so now he's loving people through our life This is why we need Jesus, to genuinely and authentically love people. Otherwise, we're motivated by so many other factors. So now we have Jesus loving people because Jesus is love. We even say the phrase, love is blind. Love is blind. We make decisions because love is blind. We're in la-la land, so all the decisions we're making, it just... it, it, it doesn't look good because we're trying to we're trying to make decisions based upon all of our feelings but what is interesting is that when God asks us to do something we might even say to God let me check my schedule I don't know let me see the time frame let me, let me see Lord God let me, let me see what, what my day looks like and, but when we pray to him Jesus does is he says where are you what do you need I'm there he sees us as his friends for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that anyone who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life this is what love will do and we have the opportunity today to be in this relationship with him. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. Some of you are already in a relationship with Jesus. And maybe today is a reminder of what love is. Not just what love does, but what love is and what love will do. And maybe for those of you who are online, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. And today is a day that we get to make a choice, a decision. And if you want Jesus in your life, you're saying, I want to love people the way Jesus loves me. I want to have that. And it's a simple prayer. It's an act of faith. We call it a prayer of salvation. So as I say these words and you repeat after me, you just mean it with all of your heart. 
you're surrendering your life to Jesus for the life that he has for you. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the grave to give me eternal life. I surrender my life to you. I repent from my ways. I turn from my ways. And I head in your direction. Give me new life today. I pray this in Jesus' name. And Lord, for all of us, the love that you have given to us, we're so grateful for. So today as we leave here, may we always remember what love will do, but that you are love. And so as you live in us and as we abide in you and you in us, we can do much. And when we're frustrated, take over. You take over so that you're loving people through our lives because this is what love will do. So we trust in you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said together, amen.